Welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Caleb Barrett. Today's message is from Pastor Dennis on April 5th, 2020, the beginning of Holy Week, on Palm Sunday, preaching on the cleansing of the temple. Amen. Thank you, praise team, for leading us. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, We are excited to get into the Word together this morning. Uh, We have a lot to discuss Uh, Today, as has already been mentioned a few times, today is, in fact, Palm Sunday. It's a Sunday that we set aside to remember the the beginning of Holy Week, uh, or Passion Week. Um, Another way to describe that is the last week of Christ's earthly ministry. Um, We are together, uh, albeit virtually, but we are together and it is a bit different, as we keep saying, uh, it is a bit different uh, to be able to worship this way, uh, but yet it's still worship. We are able to gather together in spirit. We're able to gather together virtually, um, you at home and, and us here. Uh, we're able to gather together, and, and we are gathering in His name. We are lifting His name high through singing His praises and looking into, into His Word. Now, we certainly miss each and every one of you, and we long for the opportunity to fellowship with you, to worship alongside of you, to enjoy one another's company. Uh, but until that day, uh, we want to continue to uh, follow what we've been asked to follow, to do what we've been asked to do, uh, in hopes that uh, we are shining examples of what it means to be good citizens because as believers we are required to be good citizens. Uh, we want to follow the, uh, the rules and restrictions in such a way that, that we show others what it means to be obedient in, in the sense that we're not necessarily just obeying our government authorities, but we are in fact doing what God has called us to do in obedience directly to Him. So I encourage you to continue to stay at home, stay safe, stay healthy. But today, as we're gathering together, we want to look into His Word. Now, on the day when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years ago, it, it probably looked a bit different then, what, uh, back then than what people were expecting as well. Now, I'm not equating the differences here. Jesus is the Messiah who arrived in fulfillment of Scripture. Uh, You're at home watching electronically while you shelter in place to avoid catching a virus. Clearly, we're dealing with some differences this Palm Sunday. But I do want to notice a few things. Now, Pastor Caleb read the passage of uh, Christ's triumphal entry. I do want to just notice a few things. First off, Jesus came into town as prophesied on a donkey. I want to read a quote for you uh, that I actually found from a former boss of mine, Tom Phillips. He shared this morning, it was on Palm Sunday that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt that had never been ridden, and the people waved palm branches and yelled, Hosanna, save us. He was humble because he rode on a donkey, sovereign because he rode on an unbroken donkey, and divine because he accepted worship. There's a few things that we need to notice about that day. Jesus did not arrive with an army. He did not arrive in a brilliant show of strength. Instead, he came humbly. He did come on a mission. Uh, While it was not the one that people were hoping for, it was infinitely greater than what they were expecting. The people wanted him to come and overthrow the Roman government. He, he, they wanted him to establish a new kingdom. They expected freedom. 
They expected a victory. Jesus overthrew something far greater than the Romans that week. He established something far superior to an earthly kingdom that week. Within one week, there would be a true victory, but unlike anything they had imagined. We'll talk more of this victory uh, next Sunday as we celebrate Easter. But today, I do want to, I want to look at something that happened after Jesus came into town. Something that boggled the minds of those who shouted out Hosanna just the day before. So I'm asking you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 21. Again, we're going to be in Matthew 21. We'll be in verses 12 through 17 today. This account is found in Matthew 21. It's found in Mark 11, Luke 19. There is an account in John chapter 2, but it is very likely uh, that it was a separate occasion. Uh, We'll read from Matthew's account today, but I'll point out aspects from each account. Now, before we do this, I want to go to the Lord in prayer. Would you join me? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your name in the many different ways that we are. Father, we are gathering. Uh, we, we ask that you would help us this morning to hear from you, to hear from your word, that these would not be my words that are spoken, but they would be your words, Father, that, that you would come shining through as the Messiah, as the, the, the great sovereign king, the great Lord of lords and hosts of hosts. Father, you are everything. Um, we ask that you help us to worship you as such. So Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that you would help us to clear out any distractions, that there's anything going on in our homes or in the locations that we're watching from, uh, or even here, that you would eliminate those things in such a way that you and only you are that which we focus on most this morning. Uh, So Father, I ask that you would lead us to be more like your son as a result of everything that we do in this place this morning, that you would lead us to lead our families well, and that you would be glorified and that you would be honored. Father, we love you. Help us to love you, trust you, and serve you in all that we do. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Again, if you have your Bible with you, I would encourage you, again, Matthew 21. I'm going to start off in verse 12, verse 12. We're going to read through verse 17 and we'll come back and make some some observations. So starting in verse 12 of Matthew 21, and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Verse 14, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant, and they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Now may God add blessing to the reading of his word this morning. We're going to come back and and take a closer look at this story. I want to identify some important details we see in this passage, but then I also want to look at four practical applications that we can make this morning. 
So going back, notice that Jesus came into the temple and immediately drove out everyone who bought and sold in the temple. According to, according to Mark's passage, the Gospel of Mark, this happened on Monday. So he arrived on Sunday that evening. He went to the temple, observed everything, went back to where he was lodging, ended up coming back the next day and the next morning, and he got right to work. And so, again, Matthew kind of puts all this together uh, as mixed in with the triumphal entry. Uh, Mark makes it very clear that this exact scene took place on Monday morning, uh, that the, the next day he arrived and went to the temple. And so I want us to notice that, that when he got to the Lord's house, he got right to work. When he arrived at the temple, he immediately began getting rid of anything that didn't belong there, anything that shouldn't have been there. Now, notice who he drove out, however. Uh, notice who he drove out. He kicked out all those who bought and sold in the temple. Uh, according to Matthew and Mark, he overturned the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Now, for some of us, that might seem strange, um, oddly specific. Why did he kick out the pigeon keepers. Uh, well, selling pigeons to pilgrims was a way to satisfy the required sacrifices, but it was made available to the poor. Um, bringing animals a long journey into Jerusalem to bring your sacrifice was, was a difficult thing to do. So they would sell oxen, they would sell sheep, they would sell pigeons. But those who were too poor to purchase the larger animals, they were made, it was made possible for them to still offer a burnt, a burnt sacrifice as well as a sin offering. Uh, they were able to do this through the purchasing of pigeons. And so uh, it's interesting that, they hi- or that the, the synoptic writers highlight this, uh, but it is something that those who would have originally been reading these passages, they would have known exactly what he's talking about, uh, and they would have known why he kicked those specifically out. Um, there are some, some who believe that they... Uh, where, yes, they were selling the pigeons, but they were also driving up the prices. They were taking advantage of the poor. Um, and so this is probably another aspect of why Jesus kind of kicked them out. Uh, in, the John two, in the John 2 passage, uh, Jesus tells them not to make his father's house a house of trade. In the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus rebukes them for having made his father's house a den of robbers after all. Now again, this leads us to believe that there probably were two different occasions where Jesus cleansed the temple. In John, the religious leaders questioned him. Uh, They questioned him in, in John's account, but in the Gospels of Mark and Luke, the leaders sought to kill him. The ESV actually says they sought to destroy him. So John, they questioned him. Matthew leaves that part out uh, as far as what their plan was. They did question, but in, in Mark and in Luke, they actually sought to destroy him. Now we're gonna make mention of the pigeons in just a few more minutes. Uh, We'll make a second mention of that But again, this leads us to believe that these were two separate accounts, that when Jesus cleansed the temple at the beginning of his earthly ministry, if you're familiar with the John passage, it's right after he turned the water into wine, and he 
um, went into the temple for Passover, cleansed the temple. Uh, at that passage, that's where we see the, the, well, we don't see the picture, but that's where the pictures come from, uh, the paintings and the artwork of Jesus with a whip knocking over tables and kicking people out. Um, and that's where those of us that have a little bit of a problem with anger, we find a little bit of justification in the sense that Jesus was brought to physical anger at one point. Um, we still need to be careful not to sin. Uh, Jesus was cleansing his father's house. We need to remember that it is possible to be angry, but we're told to be angry and sin not. And so uh, I would not say, well, Jesus did it. I don't know that that's a really good excuse for us, so we need to be careful about that. Uh, but again, we're, we're looking at this as probably a second passage. So when he tells them in John at the beginning of his earthly ministry, do not make my father's house a house of trade. And then what does he rebuke them for in the other gospels? He rebukes them for having made his father's house. Uh, a den of thieves. Not just a house of trade, but a den of thieves. Um, and so I, I just think that that's very interesting uh, that shortly after rebuking them for exactly what they had been doing, they sought to destroy him. Uh, and I think that says a lot about their hearts. I think it also reminds us a lot of our hearts. Uh, sometimes when we're rebuked, sometimes when we're caught in sin, sometimes when we're struggling interpersonally with one another, uh, our initial reaction is not always going to be repentance. A lot of times we seek out ways to destroy the one who's bringing the charge against us. We need to be careful about that. Um, Jesus knew what their plans were, and he did it anyway. He knew that they were seeking out ways to destroy him, but he didn't let that stop him from cleansing the temple. His father's house was massively important to him. Now notice what happened immediately after the, tents, the temple, excuse me, the temple was cleansed. The blind were brought to the temple and they were healed. The lame were brought to the temple and they were healed. Both Mark and Luke mentioned that Jesus was teaching in the temple. In essence, what we see here is the temple returned to its original function. The people were going there and encountering God himself. They were encountering God through Jesus. They were encountering God as Jesus. They were encountering the God they were called, they were called to worship. And they didn't realize it. They didn't recognize it. And over a period of time, we see through Israel's history, this wasn't the first time that they encountered God and didn't do anything with it. For us, I think we need to be careful as well. We can encounter God. We can come into His presence. We can recognize His might, His glory, His provision. Uh, we can recognize His holiness, and we too can leave unchanged. Uh, how is that possible? It's because of the hardening of our hearts. Uh, we need something different to happen inside of our hearts. When our hearts are spiritually dead, we don't pick up on these spiritual principles. Um, but I encourage you to look at these things, look at these truths, uh, question your own heart, examine your own heart, and see, are we guilty of the same thing that these religious leaders were? That we've turned God's house, and I'm not talking about this building. We'll see in just a few minutes. I'm talking about something greater than this building, your own body. What have we done to the temple that God has made in us because the Spirit is within us? What have we done to our bodies? What have we allowed our bodies to be used for? Uh, what are we doing with our bodies to honor God? Or what are we doing with our bodies to dishonor God? What are we doing in our daily lives 
that in a metaphorical sense has turned our own bodies into a den of thieves because we are focused on us and not the one who fills us. And so we need to think about that this morning. The children were crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. They were crying out, Hosanna, again, to the son of David. Now this is an interesting one for us. Uh, We look at this, the leaders heard the children and they were indignant. They marched right up to Jesus and basically they said, do you hear what's going on here? Um, They were not so subtly, mind you, implying that Jesus must have been okay with the fact that the children were recognizing him as the Messiah. When they cried out to him, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the son of David, and Jesus heard them and didn't, didn't rebuke them, the religious leaders marched right up to him and said, do you hear what these people are saying? Do you hear what these children are saying? And, and, and you're just okay with this? I love Jesus' response. His answer is actually quite fantastic. He says, have you not read? Out of the mouths of babes and infants you have prepared praise. Now this is a quote from Psalm 8. I believe it's verse 2 in Psalm 8. I could be off on that, but it is Psalm 8. Now, this, is, this quote is where the, the, the psalmist is clearly offering praise to God. By using this quote, Jesus was taking it a step further than the children. He wasn't just acknowledging, he was accepting, and he was using that quote to explain his own need for praise. And so, again, these religious leaders are upset because they say, well, do you not hear these, these children are saying that you're the sent one from David? And Jesus, again, takes that a step further and says, have you not read the Psalms? Do you not know the songs? Do you not know that the Lord has prepared praise for himself and out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, I will receive that praise? And it says that they... Uh, In the other passages, it says that they sought out ways to destroy him. In one passage, it specifically says they sought out a way to destroy him, but did not because the people were hanging on every word. Oh, how short that lasted. Because in less than a week, these very same children, these very same adults, these very same people who were being healed that very week, these very same people that sat under his teaching, would call out for him to be crucified. I I think of that. Today is Palm Sunday. We know what next week is. It's going to be different for us. We recognize that. But here we are together, uh, worshiping our Heavenly Father, but remembering the sacrifice of his only begotten Son who came into this world to die for sinners. Um, And he fulfilled his mission. He fulfilled what the Lord set him out to do we look at that. We have the whole story. We know what happened that week. We know what happened every week of his uh, earthly ministry. We know as we can track what happened shortly after that with Pentecost and then the Acts of the Apostles and Paul's writings all the way up through the different authors that wrote to fill out the New Testament. And we know up until today the history of the church. And we know what is common to man. We know our struggle And our struggle is that we may find comfort in Jesus for a moment. But man alive, we are drawn to that which glitters. We are drawn to that which shines. And so quickly we run away from the one we know who came to save us. I want to point out one last thing 
before we get into the application. So allow me to make one more observation here. The selling of doves, I said we'd talk about that in a second, here we are. The changing of the money, uh, these things were not necessarily evil. It's not necessarily what they were doing that was wrong, but rather it was where they were doing it. Now, many have claimed that the money changers drove up the prices and were essentially stealing from the people. We talked about that already. That's pretty bad, okay? We're not making any excuses for them. What they did was wrong. Uh, They should not have been taking advantage of the poor. They should not have used God's house as a money-making enterprise. Um, They should have focused on keeping the temple a, a house of prayer. This operation was likely set up in the court of Gentiles, however, uh, and therefore it likely made it nearly impossible for them to truly worship with all the noise and distractions. If you're familiar with the temple, the court of the Gentiles is where the Gentiles would go to come and worship, where they would come to hear from the temple. Um, by setting up these money changers and the selling of the oxen and the sheep and the, and the, the doves and the pigeons, uh, in order to set it up there, there would have been so much noise, so much commotion, so much, there are so many different distractions. It would have been nearly impossible for them to truly worship amidst all those distractions. Make no mistake, God takes the worship, the glory, and the honor that we give to Him very seriously. He is to be our focus and nothing else. Once again, the Jewish people had lost sight of that. Now, as we make application, there's four things we want to point at. I held up the number three. I don't know if the camera caught that, but it is four, just so you know. Uh, The four quick applications that I want to make, because I think it's important that we recognize there's truth here for us today. First, we're going to see that we need to clean up the temple. Secondly, that we need to remove the distractions. Thirdly, that we need to be about our Father's business. And then fourth, fourthly, we need to worship Him as the one true King. So, cleansing the temple. While the passage is regarding the call to flee from sexual immorality, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, reminds us that our body is a temple. He says that you were bought with a price. He tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells within you just as the glory of God dwelt within his temple. If Jesus, and this is very important, if Jesus was this serious about cleansing his father's house made of stone, how much more serious is he about cleansing your temple made in his image and redeemed by his blood? The first application that we need to make this morning is we need to cleanse ourselves by returning to obedience to his word. We ought to study, serve, and share His good news. We were bought with a price. There is a reason we are still here. God could have been well within His right, first off, to just annihilate us the very moment we sinned. But secondly, He could have also been well within His right the moment we called upon His name for salvation just to pull us out of here. This is a a messed up world. And and it was messed up before COVID-19. As we look around, we think, man, it's... It's only getting worse. We were told that it would be. So there's no surprise there. Um, But what we do recognize is that God could have pulled us out the second we called upon him. The second he regenerated our heart and we recognized him as God and tasted of his goodness and the the mercy that, that comes from him. He could have removed us immediately. But he didn't. We have a purpose. 
we have a calling, and that is to go and make disciples. And so before we can truly do that, we need to cleanse the temple. We need to allow the Spirit to dwell within us. We need to allow ourselves to just clean out all the clutter. All the stuff that we have in our heart that doesn't belong there, we need to get rid of it. Jesus was very serious about cleaning out his father's house. We need to be serious about cleaning out the temple that he has, uh, that he has set up within us. So first, we need to clean out the temple. Secondly, we need to remove the distractions. The temple court was filled with so much noise and nonsense that no one could truly worship there. Uh, what about your life? And, and this is where I, I want to get a little bit personal uh, I want to ask you to truly examine your heart this morning. Uh, what about your life? What have you allowed into your court that has you so distracted with noise and busyness that you can't even truly worship anymore? It's time to get our priorities straight. Um, now, this quarantine is difficult. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's tough. Um, I enjoy being able to be at home. I enjoy being able to spend time with my family and spend time with my son, Declan. Uh, I enjoy the uh, opportunities that I have to be able to work from home. That's fun. It's exciting. It's different. It can be distracting at times. Uh, that's my fault, not my family's. Uh, but one thing that I have noticed is while this quarantine is tough, and there are some good things that, that have come out of it. One really good thing that this quarantine has done for us is it has effectively shut down so many of the activities that regularly keep us preoccupied and unable to give God the full attention that He deserves. I encourage you, think long and hard this morning about what you're going to fill your life back up with when this virus, when we get to the other side of this virus and life gets back to normal or the new normal. Think long and hard about what distractions we're going to allow back into our court. The temple of God was reserved for Him alone so we could worship Him and Him only. We need to be careful about what we fill our time with. Um, this quarantine has given us a, a fantastic chance to declutter uh, emotionally, mentally. Um, now, there's some that are struggling, and there's many that are hurting, and I, I recognize that, and we as believers need to be an encouragement to them. We need to be encouragers, and we need to be peacemakers. Uh, we need to go out into the world and help our neighbors. We need to love our neighbors um, as we love ourselves. Um, but first and foremost, we need to love God, and we need to clean out the temple, and we need to remove the distractions. Thirdly, we need to be about our Father's business. Uh, Jesus sat in the temple that week where he healed, he taught, and he cared for people. Keep in mind, Jesus knew full well what was happening that week. He went into that city. One of the passages, one of the Gospels tells us that the night before he went into Jerusalem, he looked out over Jerusalem and wept over the city. He knew the rejection he was going to face. He knew the punishment that would come upon God's people because they would deny and reject their Messiah. He knew full well what was happening. Uh, he knew the very people he was teaching. Uh, he knew that the very people he was teaching that week were going to ridicule, they were going to beat, spit upon, and call for his death by the end of the week. The very people that he was healing, the very people that he was sitting in that temple teaching God's word to, those were the very people that he was going to look into their eyes as he carried his cross through that city up to the hill of Golgotha, 
listening to them cry out, crucify him, crucify him. And he did it all willingly. You and I are not going to face that level of rejection this week or next week for many of us ever. And yet we struggle. And I speak to myself just as much as I speak to anyone. Uh, This is a struggle. Uh, But we need to be about our Father's business. Uh, He knew that the very people he was reaching were going to reject him, and he did it anyway. What an example of obedience we have in Jesus. We also need to be obedient to our Father, especially now. This is the Holy Week, and we're all separated. Uh, We've been separated, but we haven't been left without a means to obey, however. We need to share our faith like never before. There are many people who are hurting right now. Some of you may even be hurting, but in the end, we are all called to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, talk to your neighbors. Make phone calls. Send out a text. Reach out to people on Facebook. Um, Get to know some different folks and ask where they are and and talk to them about the Lord. I can almost guarantee that that we won't face or or experience the level of rejection that Jesus faced. Um, But remember, he did it willingly. Fourth, And finally this morning, we need to worship him as the one true king. Jesus is the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who has come to take away our sins and the sins of the whole world. Uh, He is the one who, as we will all remember later this week, allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled for you and for me. We would be wise to take this time in isolation, our time of isolation, to remember the good news that we have in Christ. This is not the end. This is not how life wraps up for us. We need to take the time to honor our king individually and as families. Uh, We need to worship him. Dads, the onus is on us to lead our families well. We need to do better with reaching our children and teaching them the word of God. And again, I'm not preaching to anyone more loudly than I am to myself. Uh, This is a responsibility that we all need to take seriously. Uh, We need to be, uh, again, we need to be about our Father's business, but we also need to worship Him as the one true King. Uh, now is a great time to begin putting, in, putting a routine together or a routine into practice. Uh, the distractions are gone, and we need to go to work. We need to do what He's called us to do. Of course, all of these things that I say this morning are directed at believers. And, and I say this because I don't know each and every person who's viewing this morning, each and every person who will view this in the future as it remains on our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. Um, things I never really thought I would be saying from the pulpit, but uh, we, we have the technology, right? We have the technology and we're able to reach more than we ever thought possible. And here we are this morning. And so I want to talk to you this morning. If you're watching uh, and, and you say, I, I don't know what it means to believe in Jesus. I don't know what it means to trust in him as my Savior. I, I don't understand why he went into Jerusalem. I don't understand why it's called a triumphal entry when he died. Um, those are all fantastic questions. I encourage you to reach out to us, uh, either in the comment section or direct message us or um, call us. Our, our information is on, is on the page. Uh, we encourage you to come and talk to us. But one thing I want you to know, without a doubt, is that there is a God. He has a plan for us all. He loves us. 
He loves us so much that although we defied Him and sinned against Him by doing things that He's told us not to do and not doing the things that He has told us to do, because we've sinned against Him, we lost that fellowship with Him. That fellowship was broken. Uh, Our access to God was cut off. But thanks be to God in His glory and in His mercy and in His grace, He provided a way. God loves us so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a life perfect and holy, completely set apart from sin. And as truly God and truly man, He taught us what it means to obey, but He also made the ultimate sacrifice for us. As the only truly holy and righteous person who has ever lived, He showed us what it meant to obey Christ, or excuse me, to obey the Father. He laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for me. I would encourage you to trust in him, to go to him, to admit that you are a sinner, to confess your sins to him, to believe that he is the Savior of the world. He is the one who the, uh, John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is that Lamb of God. And if you p- call upon his name and ask him to save you from your sins, the penalty for your sins will have been paid for by Christ. You and I will have fellowship uh, together. I encourage you to call upon his name, ask him to save you, and then confess to everyone you know that he truly is the Lord. I would encourage you, if you believe that you are a sinner, you admit that he is the Lord and that you want to proclaim him, I would encourage you to pray a simple prayer that just voices these concerns, that voices these truths, again, that you are a sinner, that he is God, and that you love him. And he promises that if you do those things, that if you believe those things, more importantly, that you believe rather than just doing, that you believe those things, the Bible is very clear, you will be saved. If you've prayed or if you're, in, if you're thinking about praying, I encourage you, please contact us. Please reach out to us. We want to welcome you into the family of God. We want to give you encouragement. We want to give you resources that help you to walk in newness of life and to become this new creation that God has set up inside of you. And none of that makes sense if you're just now believing. So I encourage you to come and talk to us. But again, whether this is your first Sunday joining us, whether this is the first Sunday you've been a believer, or if you've been a believer your entire life, there is a calling. There is a requirement for us, and that is that we remain active. COVID-19, the coronavirus, the self-quarantine, the shelter in place, these things do not stop us from doing what God has called us to do. Jesus showed up knowing what was facing him that week, and he got right to work. Ought we not do the same? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your truth and your word. Help us to honor you in all that we do. Father, for those that are joining us in the many different ways that they are, I pray that you would just work in each person's heart. Uh, Lord, that you would help us to be more like your son, that you would help us to honor you in all that we do. Uh, Father, I pray that you would lead each and every one of us to be obedient followers of your son. Uh, Father, help us to be an encouragement to others. Help us to lift your name high. Help us Father, to clean out the temple that you've created in us. Help us to remove the distractions. Help us to be about your business. And Father, help us to worship you as the one true king. Help us to do these things and help us to do it well. 
May you be glorified and honored with the way we live our lives in obedience to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at pastor at mbaptist.org and just put podcast or narratives of grace in the subject line. For prayer requests, please email us at prayer at mbaptist.org because we want to be praying for you and we want to be praying with you, especially in this time. For more information on Mililani Baptist Church, please go to our website, mbaptist.org, or find us and follow us on social media and YouTube. Thank you for joining us today.